At this time, let's turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. And to give honor to the Word and the God who has given us His Word, let's stand as we um, do have the reading of Daniel 6, starting in verse 16. This is the holy and infallible Word of the Lord. Daniel 6, starting in verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king, the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the, uh, the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I, have, uh, I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime." Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Our glorious God, we pray that you would bless this, your holy word. Help us, encourage us, and lift us up to, to see the glories of your everlasting kingdom. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
there are a lot of ways that we can look at God and give the attributes of God. He's God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. But one characteristic I want us to think about of who God is. God is the one who has the might and the power to deliver. As it mentions here in today's text, he's the one who does signs and wonders and delivers his people. He is the God of deliverance. And as we see, he is the God of Daniel's deliverance. Go back to the prior uh, portion of last week's sermon. A little bit of of review in the earlier portions of chapter 6. Daniel is set as one of three commissioners over 120 satraps. In other words, King Darius saw that Daniel had great gifts of leadership, so he set him as one of three, but was in the plan of making him ruler over all. He would be only second to the king. He would rule over all of the 120 satraps. Well, those who, uh, the other two commissioners who shared that threefold role of being over the satraps, and along with some of the other satraps, did not like that, and they did not like Daniel. So they made a plot to make accusations against Daniel. Well, they looked at everything that Daniel did in his work. They looked at everything he did in, in, as far as his professional work of leadership, and they could find no fault whatsoever. So they said, well, we must find fault with Daniel in order of the, the law of his God. We must use his faith and his religion against him. So they went to the king. Look at verse 7. It says, all the commissioners of the kingdom the prefects and the satraps, the high officials, and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that everyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Darius thought this was perhaps a good thing because it, it, it esteemed him. Wow, aren't I important that no one should make any sort of question imploring any other God or person except for me, coming before me. People come before me. But then later on we find out that they used this to then watch Daniel. When Daniel was praying on top of his home, he had an upper chamber with windows uh, on the top of his roof. And they watched him, and they would see that he was praying to God. Therefore, they then make an accusation against Daniel before the king that he should then be thrown in the lion's den. And instead of the king walking around proudly, seeing himself as being important, because only people can come before me, no other person or God that can they come and, and make uh, Injunction, they can make uh, petitions to no other person except through me. He then gets troubled because he realizes that he was duped by his officials. He was duped because they weren't thinking about honoring their king. They were using him as part of a tactic to get rid of a political rival. 
namely Daniel, whom the king actually had care for. It says in verse 14, He was deeply distressed, the king was, and set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset he kept exerting himself to rescue him. The king didn't want Daniel put to death, so he did his best to endeavor to deliver him, but he was reminded by his officials that he could not undo the law of the Medes and Persians. It could not be revoked. So then we find what happens to Daniel in verse 16, and that leads to our first main point, Daniel's deliverance. And then we'll find, secondly, Darius's praise. So let's look at this first main point, Daniel's deliverance. Verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Before we go further, I want us to, I want us to look and examine what the king thought of Daniel. He thought of Daniel as a man who was constantly serving and worshiping God. Daniel constantly served God. That's what he saw of Daniel. And I don't know about you, but I think it wouldn't be awesome if we had our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. They would say, well, we think of these people... They constantly worship and serve their God. See, Daniel's faithfulness wasn't just that he was a Sabbath worshiper, that he worshiped on the Sabbath. He sought and worshiped God every day. He was a daily, constant worshiper of God. And I guess the king saw Daniel's faithfulness. And he, the king, perhaps he was just hopeful. It's, it's very mysterious. We don't know if there was any element of faith because according to some sources that I've read, this king was really a pagan king. Um, but he had this confidence. He says, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Now what happens next in verse 17 takes a little bit of thoughtful investigation. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. It's my guess that these men who sought the life of Daniel, if given opportunity, they could have tried to take him take this stone, move the stone away, and get archers and shoot arrows into Daniel, make sure he was really dead, and then let the, the lions eat him. But the king made a point that he didn't want the covering of this mouth of the den to be tampered with, so that if Daniel died, he died by the lions and not by the hands of those men who sought his life. And I think it worked because... If, if someone dared break the seals of this, of this big, huge stone that was set over the mouth of the den, 
believe me, they would have been executed by King Darius. He wasn't going to have any of that. So I believe that this was the king's measure to make sure that if Daniel died, he died by the hands or by the mouths of the lion and not by the hands of evil and deceptive officials who sought his life. Now, the verses that follow give us a bit of language that tells us how much care King Darius had for Daniel. It says, The king went off to his palace, verse 18. He went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Now, people fast nowadays because it's a health fad, but I believe in the Old Testament when people fasted, there was a religious aspect to it. Um, And necessarily Darius wasn't fasting and praying to the God of Daniel. Maybe he was, we don't know. But he was fasting and hoping that God or maybe the gods would spare Daniel from the, the mouths of the lions. And again, he was so troubled because of the immense care he had for Daniel. It says his sleep fled from him. I don't know if you've ever been troubled. I remember being in a church, a different OPC church, and uh, there were people who were leaving the church, and it was kind of, it was, it was sad. But I remember having sleepless nights over, over this because I cared for these people, and I didn't want them to leave the church. Um, so, I, you know, if, if you care for someone and they're in trouble, it can cause you sleeplessness. So... And this, is just, this is another testimony of the care that the king had for Daniel. Now, when Darius woke up in the morning, you can see that he has this great anticipation to go and see Daniel. Look at verses 19 and 20. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. When he came near to the lion's den, he cried out with a troubled voice. Again, betraying the care, the great care he had for Daniel. Yet with this troubled voice, he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? It is highly doubtful a pagan king would have used this title for God as the living God, except if he had the influence of Daniel upon him. In other words, Daniel, I believe, had great witness, not only to Nebuchadnezzar, but to Darius. We find this back when Nebuchadnezzar uses the title of the Most High God. Nebuchadnezzar called the God of the Hebrews the Most High God. He's He's the greatest of the gods. And here we have Darius, another pagan king, calling the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh, the living God. And I believe it's, the, it's a testimony of the witness that Daniel had upon these pagan kings. And we'll see even more evidence shortly. Um, <clears throat> Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, King Darius was very pleased to hear Daniel's reply in verses 21 and following. Daniel replied, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut 
the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. I do believe we have to make a clarification here. We can't take this verse 23 and say, a person, if they trust in God, they will suffer no injury. What about the martyr? What about those who have been martyred for the Christian faith? Uh, Stephen, stoned to death. Did Stephen trust in his God? Well, he trusted in God, but plenty injury, even injury unto death, happened to Stephen. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and many of those men of the Reformation and of the early church were not only put to death, but were tortured and then killed, and great injury happened to them, even though they were trusting in their God. So we have to make a clarification there. But what happens next, again, reveals that the king, I think, had a little bit of a grudge against being deceived and used and manipulated for the sake of executing a political rival. I don't think he liked being duped. In other words, they used the king's pride against him, not because they wanted to honor the king, but because they wanted to get rid of somebody. And this is what happened next, verse 24. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children and their wives, into the lion's den. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Now, maybe somebody might say, well, maybe the lions didn't go after Daniel because they really were well-fed lions. They had just been fed lots of steak and animals or whatever, a cow, calf, whatever, goats. Um, they were not that hungry. That's why they didn't go after Daniel. Well, they were pretty hungry. They ended up devouring um, all these officials and their families. So um, we, we can tell for sure that this was a supernatural work of God. As Daniel said, that he, God sent his angel to stop the mouths, to close the mouths of the lions. And that's why Daniel was then not devoured. But instead, these uh, pagan officials were. And this event, this amazing event leads to the praise of Darius, Darius's praise of God. And look at verses 25 through 27. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. 
He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. This book of Daniel is an amazing book both of prophecy and history. But I don't think I can find any other book in the entire Bible wherein God uses one man to bring forth so much praise unto Yahweh from pagan kings. I, I just want to have a little bit of review. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is immediately after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are delivered from the fiery furnaces, or fiery furnace, singular. Chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Then chapter 7, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 4, 34, 434. And this is immediately after um, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, is delivered from seven years of madness. But at the end of that period, that's seven years or seven periods, which people believe seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? At that time my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Here's the part that I love. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are true, and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Now, the difference between Nebuchadnezzar and Darius is that Nebuchadnezzar confessed that he praised, I could say he worshipped the, the God of Daniel, the living God, the Most High God. Now, Darius gives glorious praise to God that his kingdom will endure forever and his dominion will be forever, but he doesn't necessarily say that he is praising and exalting him. He does say that he should be trembled before, um, that they were to fear and tremble before him, 
but we don't know if he's actually giving praise in, by, with faith unto the God of Daniel. What does the New Testament have to say about the teaching of this glorious kingdom? Now, before we, we look there, imagine you are a Hebrew in a pagan land and you've been taken from the promised land, you've been taken from the temple, you've been taken from Jerusalem, the city that you love, and you've been placed in this pagan land with pagan religions, taught pagan practices, and then you have a, your pagan king, the ruler of the entire empire, say this, of Yahweh, your God, he is the living God, enduring forever, and his kingdom is the one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. That'd be kind of encouraging if you were a Jew in a pagan land, don't you think? Now, let's look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. If you want another text in, in Revelation eleven fifteen, an angel sounded out loudly and said this, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Revelation eleven fifteen, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, when you look at the world around you, and we don't see the church as full as we, we would like, we look at the world around us and we see unbelief because of, I would say, um, pagan uh, proselytizing among uh, the school system for a large por portion of the responsibility. And uh, for those, I guess you could say, in the Christian church not passing on the faith to their children or and that faith not being passed on, whatever the reason may be, we don't see 
what we would think to be the wonder of a ki- an everlasting kingdom of Christ reigning here in America. But believe me, God's word is true. God's kingdom reigning forever and ever and Jesus having an everlasting dominion and his kingdom having no end is something that is revealed to us in God's holy word. Now, have some turned away? Yes. But is Christ on the throne? Yes. He will reign forever and ever. There is victory in Jesus, and that victory will be final. Now, getting back to Daniel. I believe this event that happened between Darius, King Darius and Daniel, I, I think it, built, it really kind of built their relationship and their trust with one another. And we read this in Daniel six twenty-eight. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I don't think political rivals weren't, were going to be raised up against Daniel after this event, don't you? Do you remember the last time somebody tried to get Daniel and, and tried to make accusations against Daniel? They themselves got thrown into the lion's den along with their whole families and got devoured. I don't think we're going to do it again. So da- uh, Daniel uh, proved, it says here in verse 28, to be successful in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian after him. Even if we, like Daniel, are put in a situation where we have pagan rulers over us, unbelieving rulers over us, an unbelieving government over us, we have to remember that Daniel, in his faith, gave a faithful witness. Daniel, in his faith, made a magnificent witness and the fact that he, you could see a great evidence upon not only Nebuchadnezzar, but upon Darius the Mede, that he was in, to a large degree influenced by the faith of this Daniel. The example that we have to find here is that, like Daniel, keep a good conscience. Don't compromise. If someone says, you're not allowed to pray or we don't want to see you praying in in this particular venue and if God gives you the conviction that you are to pray you should pray you should not be ashamed of your God keep a good conscience be faithful and follow the example of Daniel and the Christ whom you serve Let's pray together. We thank you, our God, that you have given us that faithful example of Daniel. And we thank you that you have even given us the faithful example of one greater than Daniel, even Jesus our Lord, who suffered and died for our sins, for the sinners such as us. 
We thank you that you have given unto our Lord Jesus an everlasting kingdom which will have no end. And we thank you that through faith and trust in, trust in him that we can be uh, your sons and daughters through faith. Give us, we pray, your peace. Grant unto us faithfulness like your servant Daniel. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, we'll stand and sing 